Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey, everybody. Good morning and welcome uh, to Coastal Community Church. Uh, great to have you with us today. Those of you who are here uh, in person, always great to see your smiling eyes. And uh, for those of you who have joined us online, uh, as Pastor Scott said, thank you. Thanks for tuning in, uh, especially those of you who might be tuning in for the very first time because uh, maybe a friend or somebody told you a little bit about our church. Uh, thanks, for, uh, for, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we hope that you will engage with us uh, in worship. And uh, again, I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, so uh, welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Hey, if you're in the room, today inside your bulletin. Uh, also, there are these two little, uh, you're invited cards. And uh, so these are, these are not for you, by the way, you're already here. Uh, these are for you to uh, give away. Uh, you know, where you live, work, parent, and play, uh, friends, neighbors, coworkers, family, uh, just people that you know, people in your sphere of influence, uh, and uh, invite them to come to Coastal, uh, either online or in person. Uh, tell them to come and uh, check us out. And uh, today on your way home, maybe you're going out to eat somewhere. And uh, you're going to leave a generous tip because that's what coastal people do, right? Um, if you don't leave a generous tip, do not invite people to coastal, okay? If you're nasty, uh, Nelly, don't uh, don't be inviting people uh, to this church. We don't want them to think that's uh, the kind of people that we have here. But if uh, but leave a little note and uh, leave an invite for someone uh, to join us. Uh, speaking about being out in the community, raise your hand or leave a comment if you enjoy people watching from time to time. Any other people? Yeah, yeah, probably, uh, probably most of us do, right? Uh, especially those places where you're stuck, right, for like a period of time, and you kind of have to make the best of it. Uh, two quick places to come to my mind are places like the airport. That's a great place for people watching. And then maybe the classic place uh, is the DMV, right? Because you're stuck there and you got to make the, the best of it. And there's definitely a cross-section of, of people uh, at both of those places, a cross-section of people and emotions. Now, for those of you who are watching online, maybe leave a comment of your, uh, your favorite people-watching place out in the community. Um, in fact, I think you could make an argument that our voyeuristic love of people-watching is part of what fuels our obsession with social media today. However, you better be careful because today, not only are people watching you, but now they're also what with their phone. They are recording you, right? You better be careful. Well, 2,000 years ago, Peter issued a similar warning to believers, and not just the believers in the first century, but to us today. Be careful. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says this. In fact, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. They, then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. He says, be careful because people today are watching your every move to kind of to see you know, exactly what kind of person you really are. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, circle the word see there. The word see in, in Greek in, in the original language literally means to observe. In other words, it's, it's not just a passing glance, but it's a real concentrated effort. And it's almost like he's painting the picture that, hey, people are making mental notes on you. They are watching you, whether you like it or not, particularly if you claim to be a believer. 
Now, what exactly are they watching? What are they looking for? Well, they're looking to see if your, your walk matches your talk. They want to know if what you say you believe actually matches the way you live your life. Now, another word for that would be your integrity. Your integrity, and they're watching to see if you have it. Well, in today's passage, Peter says that there's at least three things in a watching world that will test your integrity if you're a believer. And people today are watching to see how you respond to these things. In fact, how you respond to these three things that we're going to talk about today will determine what kind of witness you are, uh, whether or not you actually do have influence out in the community, and whether or not you actually have integrity. So let's take a look at them. The first is the area of temptation. And Peter here says to run from it. Number one, run from temptation. If you are a believer, especially in times like these, people are watching to see how you will handle temptation and to see whether or not you actually are a person of integrity. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Now, circle the phrase there, keep away. If something tempts you, Peter has got this, this strategy for you, okay? Are you ready for it? Now, this strategy might be a little complicated, a little difficult to understand. In fact, I might even have to bring out some, uh, some charts and graphs to, to try to explain this. Here it goes. If something tempts you, if you struggle in a particular area, stay away from it. <laughs> Avoid it. That, that's it. That's what he says. I mean, he's basically saying, hey, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. If you don't want to get burned, stay away from the what? Fire. You know, if you struggle with um, portion control or overeating, don't go to a buffet for lunch. Okay? You know, if, if, if drinking is your struggle, don't go to a bar just for the wings, okay? Um, you actually see this strategy all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's this great story uh, of Joseph in Genesis where uh, Potiphar's wife basically uh, throws herself at Joseph, and he ran. In fact, listen to this, Genesis 39, 12. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding... Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he, what? What's it say? As he ran away. Ran away from the house. 2 Timothy 2.22 in the New Testament. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee from sexual immorality. Over and over and over again. Run from temptation. Now, Why? You know, why live with integrity? Why run from temptation? Peter says, he says, you are temporary residents and foreigners here. The Greek word literally means people who don't have citizenship. In other words, you don't even have your green card here, okay? And as far as the world is concerned, you and I as believers, in other words, you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you are just passing through. He's saying your real home, if you're a believer, it's not here on earth, it's not here in the United States, it's not here in Charleston or West Ashley or wherever, it's in heaven. 
you know, you're going to be here 60, 70, maybe 80 years. And he's basically saying, hey, don't get too attached to this place. Don't get too cozy with the world because ultimately you're not going to be here very long. And after all, this isn't your home. Now, would you agree, though, that it's very easy to get caught up in the ways of the world and just be like everybody else and, you know, just go with the flow? In fact, if you, if you live around the sin of this world and the evil of this world long enough, pretty soon it's easy to become comfortable with it and even wind up saying, you know what, it really doesn't bother me. And so Peter is writing to a group of believers in a very difficult, hard time, and he's writing to us, hey, be careful. You're just allowing yourself to be seduced. You're, you're slowly caving in. Sin should always bother you. You know, if you don't mind watching other people do it, listening to other people say it, eventually you'll end up accepting it or even doing it yourself. And so here in this letter, he's calling us to be people of integrity, to, to be different from the world, to, to swim upstream. I love how the message paraphrases this passage. It says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Verse 16, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. He's saying, yes, as a believer, man, you have been set free from sin. You have the gift of salvation. You can't lose that. But don't use your freedom now as an excuse just to do whatever you want to do, as an excuse to sin. You know, sometimes I'll tell people, you know what? I can get drunk all I want to. I can cheat on my taxes all I want. I can take all the drugs I want. I can mess around with all the women I want to mess around with. But Jesus has changed my want to. I don't want to do those things. And it's not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of integrity. It's a matter of, you know what, my, my life needs to back up what I say. And if I claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, listen, let's not drag the name of Jesus through the mud. He is saying, listen, I don't care how difficult this time is right now. I don't care that you've been in a shutdown. I don't care that, you know, how hard it is or the world is getting worse and worse. You are free, but don't ever use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. People will ask sometimes, hey, you know, especially pastors, we get this question all the time. What's God's will for my life? What's God's will? Verse 15 tells you part of what God's will is for everyone. It is God's will that you, that you will, that your honorable lives, that, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's God's will. God's will for your life that you would live with integrity that our life would match what we believe, what we say we believe. It is God's will that, that you would be an advertisement for Jesus, where you live, work, parent, and play, at school, on a date, that you would live above reproach. Listen, for a lot of people, you are the only, the only Bible they are ever going to read. I mean, would you, would you agree that the world is looking for things today? to find fault with in Christians. I, I think it's true. And you know what? You cannot control the lies that people say about you. 
but you can control your actions and your attitude. You do have control over that. And I want to live my life, and I want you to live your life in such a way that people might have to make up stuff about you in order to accuse you. That's what Peter is saying here. And that's what it means to to stay away from temptation, that they'd have to make up stuff to accuse you. Now, the second way that your integrity is going to be tested, especially today, especially in this, uh, this atmosphere that we find ourselves in right now, is how you and I respond to authority. Authority. People in government, law enforcement, your boss, teachers, parents, spiritual authorities like like pastors, any authority figure in your life. Number two, Peter instructs us to submit to authority for Jesus. Now listen to me. How you handle authority today reveals something about your spiritual maturity as a believer. This is straight from God's word. Verses 13 and 14. For the Lord's sake, Submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. First of all, let's break this down. Peter says, for the Lord's sake, not for your sake, not even for their sake, but for Jesus' sake, submit to anyone in a position of authority. And then he even gives us some examples. He says, respect the king. In today's language, that'd be the government. And then he says to respect those who are here, to punish those who do wrong, and honor those who do do right. In today's language, that would be law enforcement. Circle the word there, submit. He says, one of the marks of a mature believer is how you are, are willing to submit to authority. Now, what in the world does that mean? Another translation uses the word yield. Yield. Now, when you get to a yield sign while you're driving, what do you do? Now, a better question would be, what are you supposed to do? Okay? Yield means that, why, you know, that you are supposed to let the other guy have his way first. That that's the mark, that's one of the marks of a true, mature believer. In other words, you don't have to have your way all the time. You're able to yield. You're able to give in, to not be selfish, to submit. You see, we've got this all wrong. Yielding, submission is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of power, a sign of godly self-control. And Peter is saying that this is the way you ought to conduct yourself as a believer in a watching world. People are watching today to see how believers are going to respond to authority. Your boss, the government, law enforcement, teachers, pastors, parents. The Bible teaches we are to respect them. Why? It says there, for the Lord's sake. Now circle that phrase. Listen to me. I know this is difficult. You don't respect them because they always deserve it. You respect them because the Lord has allowed them to exist. And if you call yourself a Christian... You represent Jesus. Verse 17, respect everyone and love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. Three things here, he says, reveal if you're a genuine believer or not. First of all, he says, show respect for everyone. We have talked a lot about that this year. Prejudice is inconceivable 
racism inconceivable in the life of a true believer. There's absolutely no place for it. You know, we believe that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and Jesus loves everyone. You never lock eyes. You never look into the eyes of another human being who doesn't matter to God just as much as you do. The Bible, in fact, is very clear here. If you were to show prejudice, favoritism toward anybody else, guess what? The Bible says that God one day is going to show that same level of prejudice toward you. And by the way, this is not a matter of being politically correct. I know people around here call me PC. Pastor Chris got nothing, believe me, to do with being politically correct. But that's not what this is. This is about being biblically correct. And then he says, love Christians everywhere. In our membership class, we talk a lot about this. I'll say things like, listen to me, you need to hear this. You might not like everybody who comes to Coastal Community Church. Not everybody who comes to Coastal is going to be your best buddy. In fact, there might be some people here who get on your ever love and last nerve. But guess what? That's how you learn to love people. You know, they might just be nothing more than heavenly sandpaper for you. But you know what? We're called to love everyone. We're called to love everyone. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. And then thirdly, you need to hear this. We need to hear this today. He says, we're to fear God and respect the king. Now, I'll be honest with you. I got a hard time with that verse. Especially when I think about who Peter was writing it to. Remember, when Peter was writing this book, this letter, Christians were the outcast of society. They wouldn't be able to freely meet like this. Is that day coming? I don't know. But I know when he wrote this, they were being hounded and hunted and persecuted and thrown to the lions. And here Peter says, hey, respect the king. Guess what? Nero Nero was the emperor of Rome at this time. Nero wasn't a bad emperor. He was an insane emperor. He was slaughtering millions of his own people. He once burnt down his own town so that he could rebuild it. He was an insane person. And yet it is in that light that Peter says, respect the king. How? How in the world can you do that? You honor the position and not the personality. And you pray for the position and the personality. In November, Donald Trump might be your president. In November, Biden, Joe Biden, might be your president. Whoever is elected, they will be, whether you like it or not, your president. And as a believer... As a follower of Jesus, you and I are called to respect the king, respect the authority, and to pray for them. Do you pray for the leaders in this country as much as you complain about the leaders in this country? You know, it's kind of like honoring your parents. The Bible says, honor your parents. Well, Pastor Chris, what if my parents are bad? You know, a woman might say, Pastor Chris, how in the world can I do that? My dad molested me as a child, or how can I honor my parents? They were both alcoholics, or they abused me. You you honor the position, not what they did. 
They might have been terrible people, but God did use them to bring you into this world. And if it weren't for them, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here. So you honor the position, you honor the authority, and you pray for them. What if the government tells me to disobey God? Well, obviously, our first allegiance always is to God. He is not talking about mindless compliance here. Submission sometimes, listen to this, means willing to suffer the penalty for doing the right thing. If there is a law that says do this, and you know it's wrong, God says it's wrong, and if you don't obey that, then at that point, submission means being willing to suffer for doing the right thing. Do you have an employer? If you do, that employer is in a place of authority over you. And the Bible says that you're to respect your, your employer, uh, submit to their authority. But Pastor Chris, you don't know my boss. Listen, it doesn't matter. Verses 18 and 19, you who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. So let me ask, what does your attitude and actions say about you toward those in authority? People are watching. People see what you post online. Does it show your integrity? People are watching, and your integrity is going to be tested, tested by how you respond to temptation, how you respond to authority, and finally, listen to this, how you respond to suffering. Number three, be faithful in suffering. Probably the greatest test of all is going to be how we respond to suffering. Ask yourself this. How have you responded in the last seven months? You see, nothing reveals your character quicker than problems and pain. And that's one of the reasons why God allows it. You know, when you go through suffering, it really reveals what kind of person you truly are. Somebody once said that Christians are like tea bags. Tea bags. You don't know what they're like inside until you put them in hot water. And as long as you live on this earth, you will experience suffering. You will have problems. You will have pain. Now, the good news for you and me is that God gave us a model in how to handle, how to live out that suffering with integrity. Look at verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Jesus is our model. You know, on, on how we handle suffering. Listen to me. Particularly when we, how we handle unjust suffering. When we're mistreated unjustly. So how did Jesus handle it? Verses 22 and 23 continues. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He, he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He didn't fight back. Is that the opposite of our culture today or what? We live in a fight back world. We want to get even. The moment we think our, our rights are being violated, we jump to defend ourselves. We fight back. We retaliate. We shout. We scream. We do anything to get even. 
What was the way of Jesus? What was his secret? It says he, he left his, hand, his case in the hands of God. Jesus didn't defend himself. He let God the Father defend himself. He said, you know what? Hey, it don't matter what you do to me. I'm just passing through. This is not going to last. This is not my permanent home. God will eventually settle the score, all scores. Romans 12, 29 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Let me ask, who do you think could do a better job of getting even? You or God? Instead of always defending yourself, you know, just say, God, I don't understand this. I don't like it. But I will let you handle it. I'll let you settle the score. You know, here, here's the truth, though. You know, we get all upset over the smallest, the littlest of inconveniences. I mean, you know, if our food gets delayed, if customer service isn't quite right, you know, we, we get upset. If, if someone cuts us off in traffic, if we get poor service at a store, we are just quick to let everybody know, you know, how mistreated and irritated we are. When was the last time you took an injustice and just kept your mouth shut and accepted it with godly grace? The Bible teaches, God says, that shows integrity. Listen, that's when we're most like Jesus. Now, I know that there are some you know, unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy, spiritually unhealthy people who might take this verse to the extreme and, you know, oh, I'll just be a doormat. Again, this is not mindless compliance, but the fact is that for so many of us, that's not really our problem. You know, we're so worried about being a doormat that we'll go to the other extreme and we never let God have a chance to defend us because we're so quick to defend ourselves. The acid test of your faith is how you react when you're mistreated. And I'm not talking about the stupid things that we do to, you know, the, the, the things we bring on ourselves. You know, we, we cause so many of our own problems. I'm talking about when you're mistreated unjustly. And the Bible says that people are watching to see how you respond to temptation, how you respond to authority, and how you respond to suffering. You know, Jesus said it like this. He said, hey, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone would praise your heavenly Father. What would the people you work with say about you? I mean, if I were to go and talk to the people you work with on a daily basis and just ask, hey, is this person a real, genuine follower of Jesus or not? What would they say? If I were to ask your spouse, your children, your friends, does this person's talk match their walk? What would they say about you? What would your reputation be? What would... What would they write about you on your obituary when you die? Did you know that uh, the story of Alfred Nobel, the namesake of the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, is uh, linked with his obituary? Do you know the story? 
Uh, Alfred Nobel woke up one morning and he read his own obituary in the newspaper. His own. His own. They, they had made a mistake. They actually, it was a journalistic error in, in the newspaper. Uh, his brother had actually died, but for some reason they thought it was him, and they put in an obituary for him. And uh, here's what the obituary for Alfred Nobel said. Alfred Nobel was the inventor of dynamite. He was a manufacturer of weapons. And then this is, the, this is what people thought about him. This is what it, what it said. He was a merchant of death. He said it so shocked him how people thought about him, how people saw him. He said that at that point, he committed the rest of his life to to working toward world peace, and he donated his vast wealth to establish the Nobel Peace Prize for people who work for peace. People are watching you. But not only are people watching you, God's watching. You know, which, which one of these three areas do you struggle with the most? Is it the area of, of temptation? You know, that when you think nobody is looking, you let things slide and you do things and say things that you wouldn't normally do if you thought people were, were watching. God's watching. You know, do you, do you do what you say you believe? What about authority? Listen. You want to be like the devil? You want to be like Satan? Then you be rebellious. Because that's how Satan got kicked out of heaven. I mean, you think about it. You are most like Satan when you rebel against authority. But you're most like Jesus when you're yielding, when you're submitting. By the way, if you're married... That's what marriage is supposed to be all about. It it really should be a submission contest, a a yielding contest. Who can can do the most for the other person? Let me tell you something. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when both husband and wife are doing that for one another. What about suffering? What about suffering unjustly? I mean, you just gripe and complain about every little small injustice. And you want everybody to know just how irritated you are. Or, by grace, do you just quietly say, God, it's okay. I'll let you handle it. I want to close by reading verses 24 through 25. And Peter's talking about Jesus here. I want you to listen to this. This is what Jesus did for you. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once, you were like sheep who wandered away But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. What about you? Have you done that? Have you turned to Jesus, your shepherd, the guardian 
of your soul. Listen, this is what Jesus did for you. He personally carried your sin, yours, in his body on the cross so that you could be dead to all of this, sin and death in this world, and so that you could live for what is right. But you got to turn to him. you got to turn to him in faith. Have you done it? He wants to be the shepherd, the guardian of your soul. And he can do that right here and right now. And listen, if you've already made that decision, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, a believer, people are watching, watching how you respond to these things right here, right now. I pray, I pray that God finds us faithful. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. I thank you for this reminder that Peter so timely gives us all today. God, I pray that we would run from temptation. Um, Father, I pray that we would submit to authority and that we would be faithful in suffering. And listen, if you are here right now in, in earshot of my voice and you are ready to turn all of your sin over to Christ, to turn away from all of that. He's already died for it. He took all of it on his shoulders, in his body, on the cross. It was nailed to him on the cross. And if you're ready just to turn away from all of it and turn in faith to him and to receive forgiveness and, and purpose and meaning and a, a home forever in heaven, just... Just pour your heart out to him right now and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I, I believe. I do believe. I admit that I've blown it. I'm, I admit that I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter what you've called it. I've, I've lived my own way, gone my own path. But today, I turn my back on all of it and I turn in faith toward you and toward Jesus. And I ask him right here and right now to be my Savior, to be my Lord, the guardian of my soul. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And now, Father, for the rest of my days on this earth, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to become more and more like you see me right now, forgiven and brand new. And Father, I pray for, for those who are here, those who call Coastal home, those who are watching online, those who are already believers. God, may we live like it. May we not use our freedom in Christ, our freedom from sin, as an excuse just to live like everybody else, to live like the world. Father, may we run, run, flee from temptation. May we submit and yield to authority, praying for those who are in position of authority. And Father, may you find us faithful, faithful even when we suffer unjustly. And I pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.